With the first 16, we usually tell stories about good and positive innovators in the ag sector. Today's episode is a little different. The innovators we're talking about today are malicious, and we need to know about them. Con artists have definitely gone digital, and they see the farming sector as a good target. Let's think about that individual farmer. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the human element that ultimately creates the biggest vulnerability, but it's also where we can make some important gains around uh, cybersecurity and cyber preparedness. Farmers are thinking about weather, they're thinking about all kinds of different things. They're really, by the nature of their work, good natural risk managers. But they haven't always made the connection between the security of their technology and information and the security and well-being of their farming operations, their families, and their rural communities. Farmers and many others in our sector spend much of their time managing risk. And today, we're going to focus on a new risk to manage, cybersecurity. Farmers are increasingly reliant on digital technologies from sophisticated combines, climate control systems in their barns, and processing machinery, to weather and commodity apps on their phone. We use a ton of technology in this sector. We do. And just like in any other sectors, we need to think about cybersecurity. But there's a unique factor in agriculture that makes cybersecurity different than, say, retail clothing or healthcare. And, and how so? What do you mean? On farms, there's not the same kind of divide as in other type of businesses or organization. Our business tools and devices are mostly hooked to our home network or personal phones. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's an important point. With all these connections and with social media, we leave information lying around and little digital doors open for enterprising people. Yeah, enterprising. Good word choice. Yeah, they can bleed you for a few hundred or a few thousand dollars, or they can take down your whole operation. They can also hold a hostage the financial operations of a supply chain or a whole subsectors of farming. It's, it's really disturbing. And it's why we went looking for some experts on this topic. They told us some true cyber heist stories to illustrate how the cyber crimes are being committed. And they shared some solid advice on how we can up our cybersecurity game. First, we have Dr. Janis Bochner, who you heard at the start. Dr. Bochner works with Community Safety Knowledge Alliance, or CSKA, a nonprofit organization in Saskatoon that's focused on various aspects of crime prevention and public safety. Dr. Bochner and CSKA are currently working on an initiative to improve cybersecurity specifically for the agriculture sector that is funded by Public Safety Canada. And so what's interesting about Dr. Bochner is that he specializes in the psychology of crime and community safety. Beyond looking at the economic and law enforcement aspects of crime, he has insights into the motivating factors of criminals and the effects of victimization. So it's kind of like an extra step we also spoke with Christine Beauchamp from the Canadian Centre for Cybersecurity, or the CCS. The CCS monitors foreign signals and foreign intelligence for the Government of Canada. It has an equally important mission for cybersecurity for all levels of Canadian government, industry, and citizens. They've been in the cybersecurity game for over 70 years. So to start, because cybercrime knows no borders, I asked Dr. Boschner to give us the big picture of cyber threats as pertains to the global agriculture sector. So if we think about the ag food sector broadly, 
we can understand that it really constitutes uh, a critical infrastructure in its own right as well as an essential workforce. It really sits at the intersection of multiple su supply chains as well as other sectors uh, and so it's really uh, part of a set of interdependent critical infrastructures. They all flow into one another and they fl all flow out from one another. Last fall, the CrowdStrike organization uh, reported a tenfold increase in 2020 in human-involved intrusions affecting uh, the ag industry. So by human-involved intrusions, you mean like as opposed to autonomous programs or bots? Well, that's a big increase. And in Canada, we have a modernized high-tech ag sector, so we would naturally be a target for cyber criminals. Now, who exactly in our ag sector is facing this increased risk? And who needs to pay attention here? Very large uh, corporate operations appear to be tuned to the need for standard information security practices, but small and medium-sized producers are generally uh, not very focused on the risks they face from potential cyber events uh, nor have they traditionally been well positioned to respond in the event that a serious attack does occur, whether one involving their supply chains uh, or in some cases, you know, should that attack target them directly. This is a growing line of business, as you, as you might imagine, because it's low risk and it's really profitable for cyber criminals and their sponsors. Uh, as Ray Boisvert from IBM Security Strategies recently observed, uh, the ransomware industry is expected to reach and get this up to 10 trillion US dollars over the next five years. Think about that in terms of the GDP of some countries. Adversaries are very well financed. They're also emboldened when uh, payments are handed out. Uh, so the more they disrupt for example, a supply chain, the more likely it is that businesses might pay the ransom to get things back up running. It's notable that last October, the group that was linked to the JBS attack declared that the ag sector was an upcoming target for its activities. So it seemed to be uh, true to its word. We've certainly had to adapt to a more digital way of doing business due to the pandemic. How has that affected cybersecurity? Now, digital transformation across the board, as, as many of us have seen, was accelerated during the pandemic. Despite having to contend with numerous challenges, uh, you know, related to consolidation and highly efficient uh, supply chains, Canada's food system was able to sustain its vital role with minimal disruptions. If we look ahead uh, to the post-pandemic period, ongoing investments and transformation of Canadian agriculture and food production are really slated to uh, propel recovery and strengthen Canada's international position, uh, not only in trade, but also in terms of leadership related to food security and climate change. So with this growth of digitalization and the role of ag food as a key part of Canada's uh, national and, and geopolitical well-being, it's reasonable that the sector is going to experience a rise in cybersecurity disruptions. So everything points to a need for a new level of vigilance or a new way of thinking about our technologies. So I think the opportunity here is to start to say, okay, uh, this is part of our, our new world in the 21st century and beyond. So how do we help people understand, communicate, 
and act in ways that make awareness of all things digital part of uh, our, our experience of being in the world in the 21st century. And so it's baking that into, you know, the way you run your business. You know, do you have backup financial information? Do you know who your providers are? If you get an email from someone that looks a little bit fishy, why don't you just flip them a text or pick up a phone and say, did you send me that? So it's just thinking a little bit differently. Uh, but again, you know, uh, if a farmer saw something, uh, behavior that was a little bit different in a, a dairy cow, they would be attuned to that, and that might mean that they're going to call their vet. In a way, this is no different. It's just that what they need to, to notice is different, and it's not always physically tangible. But they're really good at noticing things. And they're really good at thinking about the, the big picture of how it all works together to look after, uh, you know, their business, their family, and their community. So from what I hear, cybersecurity can't be in a corner on its own. It's no longer enough. Let's say you're a, a larger organization uh, or a, a medium-sized organization with a lot of capacity. It's no longer enough just to say this is an IT issue. This is really, if you look at it from a business perspective, it's an enterprise risk management issue. And so it's really important to uh, have conversations with executives to help them understand things so that, and boards of directors if that's relevant, uh, so that they can grapple in an informed way with these risks so that they can then take uh, reasonable steps related to due diligence to uh, mitigate those risks and to be able to adapt well and get business back up and running in the aftermath of an event. So if we think about, uh, you know, if you, if you live in a rural remote community where there's a potential for extreme weather going back, you know, generations, uh, you know, you'll know what to do to safeguard your farm but also your family. Uh, and other elements of your, your, your lifestyle from tornadoes or from winter storms uh, or from, you know, other severe weather events. So that's just kind of been baked into how you run your operation and how you live your life. There was a big cyber attack incidents recently in the global agri-food industries. Can you talk to us about the two in particular, the ones that I'm thinking about, um, you know, the one against the Australian wool exchange? And then the one with JBS Foods, the multinational meat processing company. So let's look at these chronologically. Uh, the first, which happened uh, back in February, was the attack on the Australian Wool Industries Exchange System. So uh, this particular type of software, which was used more than by more than you know three quarters of that industry across Australia and New Zealand, uh, experienced a ransomware exploit. Uh, that shut down buying and trading for about a week. With a weekly volume of around $80 million, there was a significant immediate cost, including interrupted cash flows for producers. If we look at JBS Foods, uh, it experienced a massive cyber attack involving ransomware that severely disrupted production operations in North America and Australia. Subsequent work attributed this to a Russian-linked hacking group. 
they use a powerful type of ransomware that happens to be called leakware and and what that does is it allows attackers to cause two kinds of harms the first is to impact the availability of data by encrypting files and preventing them from being used until they're decrypted that's what we're most familiar with the other thing it can do is to affect what's called data confidentiality by threatening to publicize sensitive data so your data is no longer safeguarded from the view of others this raises pressure on victims to pay a ransom now of course if someone steals your data there's no guarantee if they're a criminal organization that they're not going to sell it down the road to somebody else but it really turns this into more of a pressure cooker than it already would be so JBS uh, apparently responded by paying uh, 11 million in cryptocurrency ransom to make sure its customers didn't experience supply shortages and you know presumably to uh, also prevent the leak of confidential information you know when you're also dealing with intellectual property that can be a pretty big concern because it can impact your competitive advantage I imagine some of the victims of a cyber attack don't feel great sharing the fact that they were compromised it's embarrassing. How does that affect information sharing to combat these attacks? Your point is such an important one as well. There can be embarrassment, um, but I think the, the truth of it is that uh, all of us uh, probably have been in some ways attacked. We may not have been victimized yet, but uh, people are trying all the time and botnets are trying all the time. So it's very commonplace. And, uh, you know, I think a a guideline for for most organizations is you know it's not uh, if it's when and so how what are you going to do to make it less likely or less impactful and what are you going to do to be able to get things up and running again as quickly as possible there could be business reasons for why an organization does not want to disclose this uh, and that's for their consideration but uh, certainly um, you know, when things like this happen, I think there's a really important opportunity for mutual aid and uh, basic person-to-person uh, -person support to help us get over uh, the difficulty because it, uh, it's very stressful. And if we want to uh, think about the well-being of our individual farmers and their families and their rural communities, if we can build the capacity to support one another in the face or in the aftermath of adversity, we're also doing some really important work. You know, there are some important examples out there. Uh, when Maersk shipping was attacked, uh, it uh, said it was attacked. It had good relationships with its competitors. It had a bit of luck on its side. It um, uh, had uh, uh, some data infrastructure in an African country that had experienced a brownout, so it wasn't affected by uh, the cyber attack. Uh, and it was able to recover some of its data infrastructure from there, but it also had good relationships with its competitors. And so they uh, lent some uh, infrastructure to help Maersk rebuild its system uh, after the attack occurred. And in, in some ways, it's really uh, uh, an exemplar case study of uh, how to do things well. That support capacity that Yano speaks about is really important and we have access to it right here in Canada. The Canadian Centre for Cybersecurity is our authority on the subject. 
My name is Christine Beauchamp. I'm the Director of Client Engagement and Incident Detection within the Canadian Centre for Cybersecurity. We are uh, a centralized uh, group that provides information and expertise and support to Canadians and Canadian organizations with regards to cybersecurity incidents and questions and concerns. Christine, we got a global picture from Dr. Janos Bochner with regards to the threats to the ag sector, but your organization is at the front line of cybersecurity writ large. Can you give us an idea of the overall threat here in Canada? In Canada, the biggest threat uh, when it comes to cybersecurity is cybercrime. Uh, cybercrime is rampant. It is widespread. Cybercriminals don't discriminate. They cast a wide net. They try to uh, attack as many accounts and individuals and organizations as possible because they hope that just a few will fall victim to their, to their scheme and to their attacks. The only numbers that I could provide to you that are, I guess, concrete is if we look at just the government of Canada on its own. So the government of Canada uh, goes through over a billion attempts of compromise every day. So that's those are staggering numbers. They're bigger than the mind can comprehend. Uh, and that is why um, it is essential for people to have good cyber hygiene on the one hand, but also have robust systems that can stop the uh, compromise attempts before they start. Whoa, whoa. We, you know, we all get these emails or get these calls. But do you have an example of a story you could share of how these end up working? Recently, uh, there was a, uh, an association that uh, I was in contact with, a um, small organization, uh, not necessarily a very, very big uh, business uh, with a lot of money. But um, it was, well, I guess it was um, discovered that uh, there, was an, uh, there was a president of the organization who uh, reached out to uh, the people on, on the board of directors and someone created a fake email account uh, and claimed to be that president and asked in an email, oh, could you please make these purchases on our behalf? And this will go for a group of volunteers and we want to thank them and give them gift cards. And uh, because the email came with the name of the president, the individual didn't check to see if that was a normal email address that the president actually used. And so the individual did buy all these gift cards online and said, here you go, here are all the gift cards, you may send that to all your volunteers. And it was actually a fake account created by a cyber criminal. So the, unfortunately, uh, this individual lost all their money uh, by, go by getting caught in this. This actually happens um, regularly the vast majority of all compromises actually come from very simple attacks. And uh, the phishing attempts, the links and emails is actually the number one way that cyber criminals actually gain access to your information and your accounts. So that's what we mean by social engineering. It's building a complex story based on the relationships. How are they getting that type of relationship information? How do they get information? Well, they can get it online from your website, for example, depending on how much information an organization will put online about who they are and who's who and their organizational structure. But they can also find it from individuals who just post a lot of things online. Think about all the information you post about yourself on social media and think, what could a cyber criminal learn about me? by just going through all my social media posts, you could be surprised at just how much you've revealed about yourself and how much munition you've given a cyber threat actor to 
use and try to impersonate you with someone else. We need to develop cyber street smarts in a way. And where do we start if we want to improve our security? It's because there's no single method of making sure we are 100% safe online, what we promote is security through layers. What does that mean? That means doing a, a number of small steps that once they are all packaged together will give you strong security. The number one thing we tell people is passwords. Put a password on everything you can and try to make it unique and different for every time and every account. How can we uh, remember or find a trick to uh, make sure that we use a different password every time? Well, we can use password managers. There are some very good ones on the market. It does help uh, that way. You know, you, you only save them in one single place and it's secure and you don't have to remember all of them. We have another trick, though, is we tell people to use passphrases rather than passwords. And by passphrases, we mean um, use three or four random words with or without spaces up to about 15 characters. Uh, it could be, you know, table, chair, camera, TV. And those are actually quite difficult to crack. So they're easier to remember, but they are difficult to guess. We've talked a little bit about patching and updating software devices. Please don't neglect those. Um, whenever you get that little ping on your phone, on your computer saying this must be updated, you must reboot to update uh, this particular software, do it right away. I know it's inconvenient, but it will save you a lot of headache down the road. Essentially, that is a message telling you we've identified a weakness that could be exploited by cyber criminals or cyber threat actors. Please fix it now. The other thing we also promote quite a lot is multi-factor authentication. So whenever you do create an account and they ask you, oh, thank you for your username and password. Can we have a phone number perhaps to send you a, you know, a text with it with a specific code? Activate those. Those are not made uh, to make your life more complicated. It actually does increase security quite a bit because it makes it a lot more difficult for a cyber threat actor to have both pieces. So that added layer of security will lock down your accounts a lot stronger. Those are some good tips. So say something happens, what do I do? The very first step you're going to take is uh, make sure you take all your devices offline immediately so that they stop transmitting any information over the internet. And then if you, uh, depending on, on the incident that's happened, if you believe that you've been victim of a cyber crime, you are uh, encouraged to call uh, the RCMP or the police of jurisdiction to report it as a cyber crime. You can also get in touch with the Canadian Anti-Fraud Center to report it. And if you aren't sure and you are afraid of the damages that it could have made to your greater organization, by all means, please report the cyber incident to the Cyber Center. We have an incident reporting page. It's very easy to use online at cyber.gc.ca. And uh, we have a team of professionals that can walk you through the steps to take to make sure that uh, we clean this up as quickly as possible. If uh, an organization or a group of individuals have specific questions and that they can't find the answer on, in our available tools, they are always welcome to contact the Cyber Center directly through our contact uh, email, which is contact at cyber.gc.ca. And a team of professionals at the Cyber Center will be more than happy to uh, hook you up with the right subject matter expert to answer your questions. You know that cleanup Christine talks about isn't the last step if something happens. You have to start everything up again. 
Dr. Bachner ended by really emphasizing the importance of a recovery plan. You need to rebuild your digital infrastructure once something happens. Backups might just be the most important part. Well, really bright minds who are uh, technical experts in this field uh, are, I think, talking more and more about, uh, you know, the before and the after. And, you know, the, the middle part is the middle part. Um, but the after is really important, uh, particularly right on the ground. How do you get things up and running? So the more you can think about that, uh, the better off you're going to be because you're anticipating, you're taking active steps to try to address that to the very best of your ability. And, uh, you know, that's going to be uh, psychologically important, I would suggest as well, because it allows you to have a little bit more peace of mind knowing that you've done all that you could to be able to respond should something happen. It's all part of that holistic picture. And I think, you know, the question of, you know, do we say this is cybersecurity? Do we say this is security? Um, maybe in the next few years we'll end up uh, thinking about things a little bit differently and talking more about uh, security in a digital world uh, that involves a bunch of different components and uh, often starts and ends with uh, people. More peace of mind. Buy it, get it. We all need more of it. So, what do we need to do? Create new passwords for all our devices. And after you've done that, remember to subscribe to this podcast series. We have new episodes every month about innovators and innovation in the ag and food sector.